Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 10% Happier early and ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. I will meditate for the rest of my life. I, I will be one of those that, uh, good Lord willing, and creek don't rise, I'm going to be an old lady one day, and I'll be on my porch, and they'll go, shh, that, that old lady, she's meditating. <laughs> she's meditating again. From ABC, this is the 10% Happier Podcast. I'm Dan Harris. Hey, guys. Uh, I've only done this once before when we had Elizabeth Vargas on, who's the anchor of 2020. Uh, but here we go again. I'm going to interview a colleague. This is GMA with Robin Roberts, George Stephanopoulos, and Michael Strahan. And the colleague this time is Robin Roberts, who, if you watch Good Morning America, you know her. She's the co-host. Uh, I've worked with her for 15 years. And now the GMA Weekend Anchor, Dan Harris. Good to see you, Dan. Hey, guys. Good morning. Great to see you. We're gonna She's been here. through so many interesting things, which you'll hear about and which she wrote about in her book, Everybody's Got Something, which is also the name of a new podcast that she started. But uh, she's also a meditator, uh, which started a few years ago, and uh, she has some really interesting things to say about her practice. Uh, so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Robin Roberts. How and when did I start meditating? I was thinking about that. I think it's been, it's been a couple of years. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's odd because I can't really remember not doing it because it's so much a part of who I am. And I would have to say over those two years, I'm, not, I'm very consistent, but it's, there have been gaps. And when I talk to people who have been doing it a lot longer than I have, they say the same thing. And it kind of takes the pressure off of you a little bit. Because at first, when I stopped doing it for a day or two, I was like, oh. And then I'm like, it's okay. And I always come back to it. and I always feel better for it. Um, you were in part the reason why. I saw what it did for you. Also, George Stephanopoulos. Mm-hmm. During the show one heard day. Heard of him. You heard of him? Yeah, a little something. A little, yeah, you, you may have heard of him. We were doing the show, and we love Good Morning America. And there's sometimes there's some subject matters that we're doing. I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, but I, I get it, you know. And, and I was feeling that way, and I was thinking, boy, if I feel this way, I'm going to turn to George, and he's going to be just, like, livid that we're doing this. And I turned to him. He's cool. It happens again. Look at him. He's cool. And I finally went to him. I was like, man, what, what, what is your secret? <laughs> How are you able to not just blow a gasket because of some of the things that we're doing? And he said that he was meditating, and he told me about his guy, Bob Roth. And I thought, wow, I was seeing it affected because he used to be, you know, I used to see George get a little wound up about some things. And then I noticed that he wasn't doing that Mm -hmm. anymore. It was that tangible. And I was like, dude, I want some of that. <laughs> I want some of that. <laughs> I'll have what he's I'll having. I'll have what he's having and went there. And it, it, there is some dedication to it in the beginning, as you know. You have, to, you have to commit a certain amount of time to be trained how to do it. And there are all different levels of it, uh, which is great. And I have found that I, we were talking about this before, Am, am, am I seeing colors? Am I, am I a different person? I'm just more mindful of things. Mm. I'm just, it, at the very least, at the very least, Dan, when I meditate, even when I feel I haven't gone deep, even if I feel like, oh, did I just fall asleep or, oh, it didn't really happen, I was thinking, I find benefits later in the day. I feel the effects of it later. And <laughs> it was really, really cute. Uh, my partner Amber, we were traveling out west, and I was at work and I had to go pick her up coming from work. and And she's more she's more nocturnal than I am, 
And I said, you got to be ready. We're going to come pick you up. You know, I'm going to pick you up, at, you know, X amount of time. We got to get to the airport. So I called her in the car going to pick her up. And it was apparent that I woke her up. And I was like, oh. we've got a flight, JFK. You know, you, uh, I was very calm. And she rushed and she got down to the car and she looked at me and she's like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I know we're going to be cutting it close. And I was like, it's okay. And she looked at me. She's like, <laughs> she's like, what? I'm like, it's fine. If we don't catch this flight, there'll be another flight. And she kind of like, uh, uh, who, who, who are you? And, and I didn't even realize that I had become this person. And we thankfully made the flight. But she has noticed um, that things that I used to go off <laughs> about. And not to say that I still don't. And I think that's very important, too. It's not like you all of a sudden are this just, you know, like, oh, please, uh, you know, opening the door for everyone. And 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 just so I'm that's not that's not the right example. The the fact being you don't for me, I haven't become a different person. I'm just more mindful of the person that I've always wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And that's just bringing it down a notch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you no judgment here? Because it's certainly true for me. But do you find. Did you find that the old you kind of lost her temper once in a while? Cause I oh, was, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not oh, saying yeah. that I don't. In fact, I lost my temper last night, so I'm not Ooh. saying. Yeah. What did you do? What happened? Uh, somebody uh, on uh, uh, some one of my colleagues kind of annoyed me, and I wow. dropped a few F-bombs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like you even more. I think people need to hear that. They need to know that even if you meditate, you will still drop an F-bomb or two. And it's okay. But I did find that um, I'm not as – I still have those moments just like you, you you described, but not as many. And I'm, I catch myself before. I catch myself. And even – and. It, I don't even feel that way anymore. Mm. I just, you know, many times I just don't have that in me. And I think it's because there's this calm. There's this calm that meditation has brought to my life. So who is Bob Roth and what kind of meditation? Can you just explain all that? Sure. He's with the David Lynch Foundation. And um, he's he, he gave me um, uh, a link to a video of, of some people that he has worked with. And there's some, some, some names that you would be familiar with, but I, I feel like I shouldn't, I shouldn't drop a name. Um, <laughs> you, yeah, you, yeah. You're in a safe place. Yeah. You can do whatever you want here. Uh, Ellen, Jerry <laughs> Seinfeld. Okay. Uh, so, so he's worked with some, uh, Oprah, he's worked with some big, <laughs> with some big people and he's a really, he's a great guy. And so he brought me in and he's somebody who's been meditating, you know, the majority of his life. And this is transcendental meditation. Thank you, TM. Yes, it is. And, um, I had to go, and I have to admit, okay, this is the no judgment zone. Okay, this thing on. Okay, so I go to him, and you have to say you've got to go for three days for X amount of hours to really get immersed in what meditation is all about. I thought it was four days. Uh, it might have been three. It's three to four days. Um, I think it was. I thought mine was three. It could have been four. But anyway. It's, but but the X amount of hours when you're there. Gotcha. Okay, so you've got to give like three or four hours. It's a commitment. For, for three days. A commitment, especially for someone in the news business as we are. Anyway, so I get there the first day, and I'm like, you know, get to meet him. Really like him. He's got a great vibe, great smile. I've met him too. He's a very nice yeah, guy. Yeah, he is. Yeah. But then you go downstairs, and I'm not saying there's, it gets, you know, that's just when he's going to give you what your mantra is, because he's got to feel what it is that your mantra should become. And can you explain to us what a mantra is? A mantra is what you say to yourself 
uh, over and over again. It's silently. It's silently, and you don't tell you don't tell anybody what that name or phrase is. So even if I gave you twenty bucks, you right are now, not. You oh, not. Go, honey, you're going to have to get. You know, <laughs> hey, come on, man, throw some more zeros behind there. <laughs> then we'll talk. Who do you think you're dealing with? <laughs> don't you know who I think I am? <laughs> so, um, so you, he, but so so you're in this moment, and then that's when it gets kind of like. Ooh, just I'm being yeah. honest. It's yeah, kind of yeah. like you're down uh, there you. and the incense are burning, and mm-hmm. you got to sit. And I'm thinking for a hot second. I'm like, oh gosh, what of what? What are we doing here? And then you just let yourself go. And he and he gets it too. He kind of looks at you because I'm sure he's seen a lot of people come in there who are saying, "What have I done?" It took that first time, and it's almost and I, I don't want to say like your first high. It was magical. It mm. was, <laughs> it, it trans, I, I went to a different place. I, um, I miss my mother and father, Dan. I never thought that, um, I always dreaded when they wouldn't be in my life anymore. And I was really struggling. And it was the first time I felt at peace again. I was afraid, it was really, it was, very, it was the strangest thing. I, I, I just felt, um, I felt not only not so much their presence, but I felt a calm that I had not felt in such a long time. Because when my si- second diagnosis, my mother became ill, and she 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 died shortly before my uh, transplant for uh, myelodysplastic syndrome, which is a form of a uh, blood cancer. Yeah, they and call it a pre-leukemia. I know, yeah, and yeah. I know there's nothing. And to me, there's nothing yeah. pre to it. But yeah. that's yes, that's what they call it. Yeah. Pre, like, it can lead to leukemia yeah. and other uh, other illnesses. And this um, is on the heels of breast cancer in 2007. So uh, was, yeah, 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 so yeah like that was in my... Hell, so I, hell decade. I, I, I had a lot, and you yeah. can relate. I had a lot going on. Yeah. So meditation, I am so thankful um, that I was introduced to it, and it was at the right time. And there are other times when people had talked to me about it, and I just, you know, I'm an athlete, and I'm mm. this. You need to just make excuses. Oh, mm. that's not for me. It was the right time for me. And Bob really took time and made me understand, and I felt it. And I can't say every single time I feel that depth. It's a little bit how you're talking about how you're working on another project and wanting to see how you get to that next level when it comes to to meditation. And I have found, as Bob said, it's a big pool, and there's a deep end, and there's a shallow end. And sometimes when I meditate, I feel that I'm not in the deep end. And he said, it's okay. Even when you're in the shallow end, you still got wet. Mm-hmm. You still got wet. Yep. And then you think about that and you're like, that's right. I don't know why even the last thing you want to do, we always put pressure on ourselves about everything in life. Don't put pressure on yourself about meditation. You're defeating the whole purpose <laughs> of why you're meditating. Mm-hmm. And so I just cut myself some slack and... um I'm just really grateful that it's that it's entered my life. I do it. I put a lot of pressure on myself on the on the meditation front, and then I see how ridiculous it is, it is and then I do it again, uh, <laughs> just just so everybody understands that like it's okay if you do it and see how dumb it is, and then do it yeah, again. Yeah, again, and it's true. And 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 look, there is no way as human beings we cannot have thought. It's going to happen. We have thought, and I, I and I think that's what prevented me because I was thinking, how can I shut my mind off? How can I not have thoughts? And I've learned that 
you can't completely do that, but all you do is recognize, and you know this, you recognize when you are having, like, like I'm sitting here right now, and I'm, if I'm meditating, and then I go, oh, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm working out at 5 o'clock, uh, I'm cooking dinner, whatever, that you recognize it, and then you just push it away, and you just keep doing that, and <laughs> I am, I'm, I'm the last person that I thought would ever be somebody who would meditate. Because I just my mind is always racing. Mm-hmm. I have difficulty sleeping because my mind mm-hmm. is always racing. But I have found I'm still feeling like I'm a student where uh, this is concerned. I do it faithfully in the morning for 20 minutes and then two minutes coming out of it because you just don't want to just pop out of it. So I do it for 20. I have it on my on my phone, on my iPad. Um, and I need to do it in the afternoon. And I remember hearing John, Jerry Seinfeld talk about it, too that he was doing it one time a day and he was like once he started doing it twice that it just off the charts what things were happening for him and how he's feeling he was like why wasn't i doing it to what well, he said a lot funnier than i am <laughs> but why you know, why was i only doing it once a day and bob has been very patient with me but i'm trying to no matter what time it is that i walk through my door that second time that in the afternoon because my schedule is all over the place that no matter what time that is just go right to my, you know, I don't have a meditation room, but wherever I'm going to meditate, just do it. Just go in, put my things away, and say, I'm going to do my second meditation right now. T- take me back to that first time. You're down there in the room. It's a little weird. There's a little, some incense going. You don't know what the, who this guy is, and he's gonna he's talking about a mantra and blah, blah, blah. What happened? What we, What is the actual exercise that he taught you, and what happened in your mind as you were doing it? I trust, and I, I had to, there was a moment because of his sincerity and because of his, you know, telling me his story of how he began way back when, um, and then also how he was describing it and just taking the pressure off of me, like, he was like, it may work and it may not work how you think it will. I didn't have any, he, he made it so I didn't have any expectations. Yes. Like, whatever was going to happen was going to be my experience. And that really helped me a great deal. But it was something, um, there was something about him and also how he was so uh, descriptive about it. Like when he told me about the big pool and he, and he talked about how, the, how we are calm on the surface, but then underneath our, our legs are going crazy and how you'll see a duck and it seems like they're just gliding across the water. But then if you saw what was going on below the surface. So he really had a, and I'm a very visual person, so when he was making those kind of uh, analogies and just trying to help me understand, but the, the biggest point was that he let me know that it was going to be my experience and that you can't, you know, it's not a competition. I'm not in competition with you about how you meditate. I know you do a different form. And I like the fact that I didn't have to get in a certain position. I didn't have to, um, I mean, for me, it was just more, for me, it was more realistic and more tangible to be able to achieve. And the actual exercise is you're just repeating this mantra silently to yourself. Mm-hmm. Sometimes at a different pace. Sometimes when I find that I'm not, I'm having a little more difficulty in pushing away the thoughts, that I need to slow down the mantra. And sometimes I need to speed it up. So there is a rhythm to it also. And, and the act of doing this in a way, sort of blots out the chattering mind right. that is just driving us nuts all the time. <laughs> right. And for you in that first experience, it, you described something Woo! very powerful. 
I saw colors. I saw, I, I might have seen my mom and dad in heaven. I don't know. I was just in this. It was a such a natural, uh, almost a, a hide that I, as an athlete, I would get from a, a great run or just the, the, everything was just kicking in at the right time. Um, I remember uh, Bob, it ended and I was just, I was almost in tears because it was just such a beautiful absolute feeling that I was hoping that I would achieve and I thought that that's what meditation was about so so it was it was great and so there are a few days that I'm there with him and I'm doing it again and it wasn't quite as deep the second time but still it was really really good and then when it's like okay little little duckling go on <laughs> on your own and then it's 3 30 in the morning and I'm in my apartment building and I can hear the west side highway still at 3 30 in the morning you hear cars going and I'm trying to do the same thing I'm like oh I got all excited that's the first time on my own and I was like this isn't this isn't uh wow but you have a follow-up you go back after a, a couple of weeks you're on your own and Bob is there meeting and it's like he almost knows he's like so how'd it go and I'm looking at him like not so good <laughs> I didn't get that high from the first time and he just kind of reasons and that's when he told me about the different depths and um, I like the fact that every time I meditate I get wet mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I may not be soaking wet I might not be mm-hmm. from head to toe but I've dipped myself into the pool and it does make a difference. And as you said earlier, it's, it, it's about the experience, quote unquote, on the cushion, but it's also about how it shows up in the rest of your life. Thank you. And you're seeing it, you know? You're I, seeing it. I'm so. I mean, Amber has seen it. Um, there, there are different um, <laughs> times that my friends will say to me, and, they'll, and they'll know, they didn't know I was doing meditation. I was meditating. And they'll go, they'll just have that look like, hmm. And I'm like, what? Well, you, yeah, you're, um, and not that I was high strong. But I'm, I'm, <laughs> you don't, <laughs> I'm a very competitive person. Goes, goes back to my athletic days and everything I do, but I'm in competition with myself. I don't compete against others, but myself. But I was always um, the type of person, um, I didn't take my vacation time. Uh, I was just so driven and this, that, and the other. So my friends saw this other, and, and I love meditating on vacation. Love it! <laughs> love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. And Bob said I would. And um, they see me, and they they respect it too. Um, if we're on vacation with a group of friends, they'll go, "Robin's meditating." Okay, so let's not, you know, let's leave her all alone. They don't give me a hard time about it. They ask me questions about it, um, but it, it's just wonderful. I think it just, you know what? Um, I think it brought out the core of who I am. It just, it I think it enhanced it. it didn't change, but I, I think what was in me all along. It just helped highlight. It helped bring out. I love. I love that. Actually, there's a somebody, a prior guest on the on the podcast, talked about the way Tibetans talk about meditation mm. is a clearing away and a bringing forth, which is a little grandiose. But actually, I think yeah. that there's something there. Like you're clearing away a lot of the garbage and bringing forth like what is yes. under it, and that's what you seem to be describing here. I, that's what I feel anyway. I, I feel that it just. I would like to think that that was buried deep inside me, and it did clear the way, and it raised his hand and said, "I'm here. This is this is this is who I am. I'm here." And it's been. Uh, I will meditate for the rest of my life. I I will be one of those that, uh, good Lord willing, and creek don't rise. I'm going to be an old lady one day, and I'll be on my porch, and they'll go, Shh, that, "That old lady, she's meditating. <laughs> she's meditating again." I think. 
by the time you are an old lady, uh, meditation will not be viewed as like something weird. I think I it's going to so. be like every, everybody's doing it. Ha- but haven't you seen it already oh, in yeah. the, time, the time that you've been involved? Yes. Yes. It's, it is incredible. It's incredible. And sometimes I talk about it here that like in some ways I feel like I'm fighting the last war because my whole mm. book was, hey, this thing's not weird. I'm right. not weird or I'm not that weird. Uh, um, and, and I'm doing it so you can do it too. And now I sort of feel like I think a lot of people do still think it's weird. But there are more and more people, especially young people, who are like, wait a minute. I, you're starting from a flawed premise. I don't think meditation is weird. Maybe I'm not doing it because I feel like I don't have the time or because I feel like I can't, right. quote, unquote, clear the mind. But, I, but you know, 50 Cent does it. Ellen does it. Uh, Oprah does it. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld does it. It. The Marines do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kobe does it. So I don't think it's weird anymore. So I think it's we're in a sort of a interesting middle period. Well, I hear a lot of people. I told you this when I was working out. Uh, I was at my Pilates class, and this woman comes up to me, and she starts doesn't know I know you or whatnot, and she starts talking about your podcast and ten percent happier and meditating and, and and all those things. There have been many times I think that you've really helped um, make it a conversation, and and your honesty about it, saying. Uh, you know, people, you know, I think in all the things that you, you revealed in your book and you revealed a lot that talking about the meditation aspect of it, you gave us a gift. It's like, OK, I'm going to tell you what I've been through and what I'm going through. But here's this gift that helped me. And it wasn't just sharing your story. It's like you said you, you, you were something that you wanted to give. And I think you really have given, given something to the meditation world that it doesn't have that, you know, stigma to it. But there is something you made me think about with the clearing around the cobwebs and, you know, things coming up. It's the oddest thing that something can can bring you peace and energy at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's like it mm-hmm. calms me, and yet I'm more energized. I remember when Bob told me, you're going to have to get up. I was already getting up at, you know, 3.45 or something, 4 o'clock, 4 o'clock. And he said, you're going to get up early. I'm like, you're great. Why am I going to get up earlier to meditate? That's going to take more energy. And he said, I guarantee you, you're going to have more strength from that. And, and and it's been the case. So I get up earlier, but I feel feel better about it. But so I have the energy, but yet it also bring does that make it brings me down, mm-hmm. but brings me up mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to explain to people I, I, what I th- that is. I think it's a it's a, a phenomenal observation on your part. I'll offer up one possible explanation that okay. was given to me by a, a neuroscientist who's also a meditator, which is that the churning of the mind, or what the Buddhists would call this, just they call it suffering, which is mm-hmm. a it's a complicated word but basically your nonstop conversation you're having with yourself saps you of energy because you're sucked into these vortices of anger and resentment or worry or whatever and that is just sucking energy out of your system and actually so the 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 20 or 40 or 44 minutes or whatever amount of minutes you're doing of meditation even if it's five is five fewer minutes of that huh that makes sense yeah that makes perfect sense. That's why you hear a lot of people who do TM saying, uh, my 20 minutes a day or my 40 minutes a day, it's like having three hours of extra sleep. That is it. I never, I got chills right now because no one explained it to me like that. But that is so true. And that's how I feel. I feel that for for some odd reason, I'm more rested and I feel like I did get that extra sleep. Mm-hmm. And here my my mind was, why would I want to, why am I going to wake myself up earlier 
isn't that going to do just the opposite? But I never heard it explained like that. And it does feel like I, I can do it. It's like sometimes I'm really so groggy when I wake up, you know, because it's uh, especially when it's March Madness, because maybe I'm going to stay up late. and I'm going to watch the games. <laughs> and so it's like midnight. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to. And, you know, alarm will go off about 3.15. I'm like, oh, Robin, just can't you just hit the snooze? And I know and I have my ritual and how I get up and, you know, set, you know, get the room a little bit in a, in a certain shade, sit up a, a certain way because I don't want to I don't want to feel like I'm taking another nap. I don't I want to feel it. And people often say that. Well, aren't you just sleeping? I don't know. It's it's a I, I'm not really sure the consciousness. Sometimes I'm more conscious and sometimes I'm not. I love it when I hear the chung. You know the the chime from the meditation app when I hear that, and I just oh gosh I get I, I'm happy right now just thinking about it and how I come out of it and I'm like oh my gosh, twenty minutes ago, I was so freaking tired like if I could have I would have called in sick to Good Morning America and tell people hey buy a paper or something don't don't you know I don't like, like leave me alone I don't I don't want to do it this morning check our website <laughs> yeah, check our website yeah that's how old I am newspaper who, who, who picks up a newspaper yeah check their website. And I'm amazed in 20 minutes how tired I was and how I feel 20 minutes later. And it's not a power nap. It's not because I've, I've taken it. It's just, it's just a place where my mind was able to really, and sometimes when I'm sleeping, it doesn't shut down. But during meditation, I don't know why I'm able to, because I'm more conscious of wanting to just you know, push away those thoughts. Mm-hmm. You can count on T-Mobile to help keep you connected after investing billions to light up their network from big cities to small towns. T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, when you switch to T-Mobile, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus Verizon and AT&T. Visit your neighborhood store or T-Mobile.com to switch. Plan savings with T-Mobile. Third line free on essentials via monthly bill, credits versus comparable available plans. Plan features may vary. Credits stop if you cancel or change plans. The weather is getting warmer. Time to ditch my jackets and sweaters for shorts and tees. I used to waste my money on clothing that would only last one season. That was until I found Quince. Now I've got high-quality pieces that never go out of style that I will be wearing year after year. Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow-knit activewear. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands by partnering directly with top factories. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. I just made a big order at Quince.com. I got two pairs of sweatpants that I've just had for like a week, and I already love them. I'm wearing them all the time. Sweatpants are a huge deal to me uh, because I work from home and I want to look reasonably good, you know, in front of my wife and stuff, but uh, I want to be comfortable. And uh, the Quince sweatpants uh, do the trick. For me, the bottom line is uh, they've got good looking stuff at low prices. Not a bad recipe. You should go ahead and upgrade your wardrobe. Go to Quince.com slash happier for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash happier to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash happier.
So you uh, listeners may have noticed that you used words like uh, good Lord and heaven. <laughs> you are a woman of faith. And uh, I believe Presbyterian. Yes, Presbyterian. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And and um, Rosen chosen, baby. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> and, and raised raised by parents uh, yeah. uh, of deep faith, and Very deep. so I wonder what is the interconnection, if any, here. It's interesting that you say that because I know we have walked different paths where that is concerned, and I respect the heck out of that. I never try and force my beliefs. Or um, there, there are wonderful people that I have spoken to who are non-believers. And I have wonderful conversations with them. They, I don't try and convert them. They don't try and convert me. But it's it's nice to have that conversation. Um, my parents are very much about teaching their children the three Ds: discipline, determination, and the Lord. <laughs> okay, so that, that was that's we went to church, and I fought it when I became an adult. I'm like, you made me go to church all those years, and and. Um, so I, I kind of rebelled a little bit, and I felt lost. And to my parents' credit, when I was a child, they were like, yes, you're going to go because I'm the mama and I'm the daddy. When I became adult, they would go, hey, it's your choice. And I don't know where I would be without having faith in my life. I, I, I really don't know, Dan. And um, my grandmother and my parents parents on, on both sides. Uh, my father, my great-grandfather was a preacher, came from Alabama. Can you imagine uh, a black man in the late 1800s, early 1900s, um, preaching in Alabama, and then he relocated his family to Akron, Ohio, because of Goodyear and uh, the opportunities there. It's the unknown. I can't, I can't explain why. All I know is that I'm, I'm lost without it. And it's okay. I, I don't think that it's a battle between being, you know, the, my meditation and, um, and my faith. Um, it's not a competition. I look at them totally separate, but also there's this equal um, feeling of levity when I come out of church or I, after a prayer, much as after meditation. But um, I don't, I don't, it, I, it's not a battle between the two. And I think you can have one without the other. You don't have to be a person of faith to meditate and, and, and vice versa. But I, I find it to be a great compliment to one another. Yeah. I mean, I've heard from my, some of my friends of faith who also meditate that it makes their prayer life richer because they're not um, spending so much of that time um, figuring out their to-do list or whatever. Right. They're actually... Uh, listening, or whatever the right verb would be. Mother Teresa describes it as listening. Yeah, I can, I can, I can relate to that, and I, I, I feel that way too. And um, I'm a very every, every you know, I, I, I'm after I meditate and I finish my daily rituals, you know, getting ready and, and head out the door. Um, every single day before I head out the door, doesn't matter if I'm in my own home or on the road or wherever I am. And I say the prayer of protection, the light of God surrounds me, the love of God enfolds me, the power of God protects me, the presence of God watches over me. Wherever I am, I, uh, wherever I am God is. And every, my mom, back in the day when I was little, I couldn't remember it. She said, it's the two P's and the two L's. So I remember, oh, yeah, the two P's and two L's. And I wear the key words, a bracelet uh, on my arm. And I, I, I feel 
I feel after since my meditation, since that's entered a part of my life, that my my that part of my life, the prayerful part, has been heightened. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's um it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I mean there's there is a um there is a this is kind of apropos. There was a, a theologian here in New York City, uh, I believe his name is Paul Nitter, who wrote a book called "Without the Buddha, I Couldn't Be a Christian." Um, Ooh! So I do, wow. I do see how how the, the link could could yeah. be there. And and just 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 for the record, I guess non-believer is technically true in my case, but I would say more like agnostic or respectful agnostic because I'm interested. You use, use the word the unknown, uh-huh. like that is that's to me is like the unknown. I don't know. I would never tell somebody what is true. Capital T true. I just right. I don't know. And you said your parents are like that too. Yeah, you know, my well, my parents are are a little bit more like on. Well, at least my mother's a little bit more on the. Yeah, it's it ain't true. I know, but, I know. But see, this is the be- This yeah. is this is very. We are my parents. We went to church. You're you know you are your 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 family really does have an influence, and Absolutely. and and it's and that's okay. Yeah. It, it's great, but. Um, and I did not know, and when I used the word non-believer, because when you were so kind to be on my podcast, everybody's got something. Uh, Which we're going to talk <laughs> no, about. No, just... no, I'm just kidding. I'm just... But I remember, so I was reading more <laughs> about you, and it, and it was a word in some of the articles, um, they're saying non-believer. And I was like, I don't think of Dan as being, and not that, I don't know what my idea of a non-believer is, but because I know you and I'm around you and, and how you are and you know, with your, you know, your, your family and colleagues and that, it helped me understand um, that we got to stop labeling things. We are who we are. We believe what we believe or don't believe in what we believe. What I have a problem with is when people try and force that belief on you. Yeah. You can share it with me. I, I I'm cool, and I and I. It's not like I go around sharing the gospel. No, you I, don't. I, I don't. But I I feel that I live that, and um, but I I was I did not. I don't know why when mm-hmm. I when I read that about you, I was like, huh, okay, did not did not know that. Yeah, I had a very secular upbringing. I I, I tell the joke all the time that I had a bar mitzvah, but only for the money. <laughs> so I mean, that was definitely how I rolled. <laughs> Uh, but but in an, in an uh, odd way, being <laughs> being into meditation and now trying to like kind of explore right like the what I call it the sort of the deeper end of the pool uh, in my feeble ways, it makes you some, in some ways more open minded. Um, yeah, you know, right. I'm not sure. I have lots of questions about the dogma, um, mm-hmm. but I have I'll, I'll I, I would never presume to say it's not true. I just. I, don't, I, you just don't know if it is true. I just don't know. Yes, okay. I just don't know. Okay. But with a lot of respect and curiosity. Well, that's my, that's the new stance that I have. I think that that as a result in many ways of meditation and also being forced by Peter Jennings to cover faith and spirituality. <laughs> I, that's which, a, yeah, which yeah. made a big difference for me, no question. Um, but but Can you're I not. Just off, say we, yeah. we we remember like oh Dan he got that assignment. He's he's a new religious guy. He's <laughs> a, the, the, the correspondent. We're like oh he he picked the smoke. The, <laughs> the short straw on that, I, and 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 Peter did it in 2002. It was before like the yep. culture wars exploded in 2004 with 
Yeah, I mean, I, I got I was drinking out of a fire hose. It was amazing though because I met all these people that I and yeah. now I have friends of faith. Which you know, I, I grew up. Uh, I say this all the time, but I grew up in the People's Republic of Massachusetts, and and I you know it's like <laughs> I didn't know. I mean, I had a rabbi, but like I don't even think he believed. Like it was wow. it was I didn't. There was I was never exposed to it, so it was a real form of ignorance. And to go out into the country, spend a lot of time in the Bible Belt with people and yeah. and not just interviewing them but breaking bread with them and spending time with them that's a that you just you can't come back you know i remember uh, you know i think about the times that we've had conversations random over the years and you were spending a lot of time in the middle east and i remember you coming back from a time and i was wondering like how do you go to israel these places where there's bombings and uh, you know the young people that are there and it must be horrible and you said to me, no, because they know life can be over like that. So they live life to the fullest. They go out, they do these things. And I was like, whoa, that was not what I was expecting. I, 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 you know, I, just, I was thinking that they'd be you know, holed up in a corner somewhere. And you said, in many ways, they're more alive than we are because they know it can end. So it's been very interesting, the life experiences that uh, ABC News has afforded both of yes. us. Yes. But I remember you were traveling yes. a great deal over there and then coming back yeah. and sharing that with me. Yeah, and in, in, in the run-up to the war in Iraq, 2003, you were the newsreader on Good Morning America. Mm-hmm. And every day during the news segment of the show, I would report from Baghdad. And right. I was, that was my morning conversation with Robin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember that well. And, and I, wow. I, I was always struck by uh, by just what you said, that if you go into these war zones, I, I remember being in the West Bank when the Israelis had in, uh, invaded. They didn't like that term, but uh, basically they had invaded and there was bombings and all this stuff. And th- then they would do a ceasefire for a couple of hours every few days and everybody would come out and do their laundry and go shopping. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> you have to live, you know? Yeah. And, 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 wow. It, wow. And that always really struck me. Hmm. But you are not off the hook, Robin Roberts. What? I have a many more questions for you. Just, to, just, just I know we're getting into our final moments, okay. but everybody's got something it's a book uh, and a podcast yes and the book really tells a searing story of what was uh, this is my term uh, a hellacious year in Mm -hmm. 2012 Mm -hmm. for you where you had had breast cancer in 2007 and and um and thrived in the in the in the uh, aftermath of that. And I know you prefer thrive instead of survive which i think i do thank you um and then 2012 you're at the oscars feeling a lump because you host Mm -hmm. you host the oscars pre-show on abc with real grace and glamour, I must thank say. You, thank you. And uh, and you feel a lump in your neck. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this starts a yeah. big odyssey. Oh, gosh, you know, um, it's funny because there's a picture in the hall here at ABC from the 2012, uh, from the 2011, no, 2012 Oscars. And I see that picture, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't know at that time. And I knew something was wrong, and I knew. And I see that picture, and it reminds me of leaving there, contacting my doctor, thinking first of all about the lump, and the doctor discounting that and saying, "Let's just take your, your blood and 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 checking it." And it just it just snowballed into this condition, myelodysplastic syndrome that we talked about, and my mother passing shortly before, um, my transplant, and 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 and. When I had breast cancer, I knew about breast cancer. I knew pl- mm-hmm. plenty of people had. I mm-hmm. had no, I had never heard of M- MDS. I didn't know you could donate your stem cells. Had no idea what a bone marrow transplant. And it was your sister Sally Ann who came in and saved your life. Amen. Sorry, don't mean I will. I will no. raise my hand to that I'll, because I'll be your witness. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Because people don't realize that a family member 
that only three out of 10 times they will be a match. Three out of 10. So 70% of the time, you need the kindness of a stranger off a registry. The doctors had already checked the registry. There was no match. Uh, two siblings had been eliminated. It comes down to my sister, Sally Ann. I remember going to, to my mom at the time because we didn't know if Sally, she was my last chance. And the doctor's like, do you, are there any other family members or that? And, and I, I went to mom and she and my dad had been married 57 years. He passed away in 2004. Uh, met at Howard University, sweethearts, the whole bit. And I go to mom and I go, does dad have any more kids? <laughs> and my, 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 you know, that, that we don't know about. It's just like, oh, honey, oh, mercy me. I'm like, hey, I'm fighting for my life here. Let me know. Any more brothers and sisters out there that you all haven't told? You get a pass. And she was like, you know. And it came out that my sister Sally Ann was not just a match. She was a perfect match and, and, and had that. But the the whole purpose for the book, Everybody's Got Something, and, and the podcast is so that was my something. You shared your something of what you went through with the panic attacks and, and, the, and, and, and all that you did. Um, it's not, so what? We all have something. Right. And I remember when I was younger and I'd come in and I was complaining about something. And it was my mom said, oh, honey, everybody's got something. Like, really? You're going to complain about that? Well, let me tell you this. And I am convinced if everybody threw their problems in a big old bowl and you saw what everybody else was dealing with, you take your problem back you'd realize, ooh, Dan, I had no idea that you were going through that. And I just want to share with people and say that's not the tragedy, what it is that we've gone through. It's if we don't take the time to understand why and what we're going to learn from it, and not just for ourselves, but to be able to teach others and to make our mess our message. And that's what I've tried to do with the podcast and the book is make my mess my message and the message of hope and of there is no such thing to me as fearlessness. Uh, you just you just do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, if you're going to wait for fear to subside, go away. You're going to be waiting a long time, mm-hmm. my friends. It doesn't go away sometimes, but it's just um, pushing through it. And I've just been very grateful. 2012 is a year I will never forget. Losing my mother, the closest person in my life, almost losing my life. Thought I was going to. I, I remember. <laughs> Di- our great Diane Sawyer, you know, she did something with me, and she was, you know, how Diane, she, all these, you know, probing questions, and she, she said, "Did you think you were going to die? <laughs> did you think you're?" And I, and I thought about it. And I'm like, I know at times I wanted to. I was in so much pain, and uh, uh, you know, loss of my mom, of my health, of just like I was, you know, like many people, gone through it once thought it was behind me, get slapped upside the head again. And there's this, it's so debilitating. This disease, and when you have a, a bone marrow transplant, they in essence wipe out, not in essence, they wipe out your entire immune system. For 10 days, I had chemo to wipe out everything, 10 consecutive days. And the last day that chemo was nicknamed the rabbit, because it's the last one that goes in there that just races around your body. Anything left in here? Oh, you almost feel like it's looking at potholes. Like, open up. oh, come on. I, I got. And wipes out everything in your system. They insert these healthy stem cells. Then you got to pray to whatever it is, if you do pray to whatever or whomever, that <laughs> your, your body accepts it. Your body accepts the, the host that's coming in, that you're the host. And all I could think about is, 
man, my sister and I didn't get a, get along as kids. I hope I hope our <laughs> I hope our cells get along now because as kids we fought like cats and dogs. We're eight years apart, and to to be at that absolute low, and to um, to to be here with you, 2016, and it's like left foot, right foot, breathe, just keep moving, keep believing, and that's my that's my message that this too shall pass. And I have this great little plaque in my dressing room that says this too shall pass now would be good because sometimes you're like i understand it's gonna can we get to the can we get to the next but i'm so grateful and this is something that meditating has helped when i it's helped me stay understand even though when i said now would be good because you want to move past what it is you're going through i want to experience what i'm going through now i don't want to rush through it the good and the bad i don't want to rush through it anymore i want to experience it and understand why it's been placed in my path. I get that fully. I, my, my, my last question for you is just, you mentioned the podcast, so the book is a memoir and, mm-hmm. um, and really just takes you through what was a, uh, a rough, does not even begin to describe time. And, and so then you started this podcast in, in, in collaboration with Memorial Sloan Kettering. Oh, Thank you for talking about them. I know your parents are, you know. Well, they, my, my wife works there. Uh, yeah. Uh, Bianca. Yeah. Love, oh, and and the people that she's brought to my in my path that yes. I've met who have been just, mm, I, you know. You've been amazing. Uh, uh, just, no, just, I, I just want to say quickly, my wife works there and, and with no naming names, but there's t- there are times when she meets patients who are fans of yours and would like to connect with you. And very quietly, you have been I amazing. love it. I, I, I'm I hesitated to say anything because I get so much out of it. But mm-hmm. I, I, I love your wife, and I'm glad that she's doing doing well mm-hmm. uh, with the health um, battles that she's had. Um, Memorial Sloan Kettering is the sponsor of Everybody's Got Something, They're, and, and I'm I'm so grateful that they signed on because talk about Everybody's Got Something. They're in in <laughs> at that hospital, like all across the country. There's people in there with something. And I'm just really grateful of the partnership and and how they've um, they help everybody. They help me through my something. That's for sure. And on the podcast, you have guests come on who every, including Woo! Magic Johnson, his wife, and yes. uh, India Ari, and mm. and people and uh, Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins, and then Amy Robach and I were on recently, which will be posted. Um, you bring people on who uh, have had issues in their life, and you talk about how they overcame it. Um, Delilah, who I love, who I've listened to on the radio forever, um, and it was it was interesting because n- normally, you know, she's sharing advice, and she's like people are telling her their story, but to have her open up and talk about all the things that she's gone through, and 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 in sharing. Um, I also like the um, there were these two wounded warriors, if you were, from the Invictus Games. We matched them with the Tony Robbins story, and it was just really great to see the wounded warriors, Tony Robbins, Tig Notaro, who is this great comedian who comes who hails from Pasquisham, Mississippi, like I do. Uh, what are the chances that we were both gay? We both had breast cancer, but <laughs> we're both from Pasquisham. I mean, that's a, that's a trifecta. Um, but it was great. Um, to be able to learn. I think success leaves clues and we're able to learn from one another. But I think it's also very helpful that people hear from these others from all walks of life and understand, yeah, the something that we all have and the, and the something that we have all in, in common is, is resiliency and just, just, just hanging in there 
And I just love that it's just, just uh, there's no rhyme or reason. And to see, it's like a kaleidoscope of different people and different uh, different challenges that they've had, including it, you and you and Amy. That was that's that was my favorite. I just uh, I, I can't wait for everybody to hear that one. It was really fun to be on there. Mm-hmm. I think people who are uh, who have listened to this really are getting a sense of why you are such a star, Robin Roberts. I mean, oh, the, thanks, yeah. you yeah, are you. so candid and vulnerable in a way that is very useful to people to hear. Um, you're deeply intelligent and curious and compassionate and funny. <laughs> so thank you for coming on. It's been a, p- a pleasure to work with you for 15 years. And wow. here's to many more. To many more. Thank you, Dan. Right back at you tenfold. So there you have it. There's another edition of the 10% Happier Podcast. If you like it, please make sure to subscribe, tell some friends about us, leave us a quick review. All that really helps us keep the show going. I want to thank you for listening. I also want to thank the people who make this podcast possible internally here at ABC News. Lauren Efron, Josh Cohan, Sarah Amos, Andrew Kalb, Steve Jones, and the head of ABC News Digital, Dan Silver. If you want to suggest topics we should cover or guests we should bring on the show, the best way to do that is hit me up on Twitter, at Dan B. Harris. Uh, I love hearing from you, and I really do listen to the suggestions, so please keep them coming. And if you want to learn a little bit more about how to meditate, you can check out the 10% Happier app. We'll be back, as we are every Wednesday, with a brand new episode. Until then, take it easy. If you like 10% Happier, and I hope you do, uh, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. I'm Shimol Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest, and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense that you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost, but now I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully no one will die on station night. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Once upon a beat. Remember those stories and fables that would capture your imagination and you couldn't wait to see how they would unfold? And now, when you read them as an adult, you think some of these old tales could use a fresh spin. We have a perfect podcast to bring you the stories you remember, remix, and reimagine for the kids in your life today. Join me, DJ Fuse, and my trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as we spin up new tales in the New Kids and Family podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Wondry and Tinkercast are bringing you a jam-packed, 
Music Field Weekly Party, where hip hop and fables meet. It's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondry app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Once Upon a Beat early and ad free right now by joining Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or Wondry Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Once Upon a Beat. <laughs>